everybody. It is Friday, and on Fridays, we look back at the Week in Houston news. I am speaking with CityCast Houston arts contributor Olivia Flores and with producer Farrell Gibbs. It is Friday, April 1st, 2022. I'm Lisa Gray, and this is CityCast Houston. Olivia and Farrell, are y'all ready to talk about this week's news? Yep, ready. All right, let's go. Uh, let's start with you, Olivia. What do you think was the biggest story this week? I'm going to have an art story on this one, of course. Um, of course. I think it's the MFA, the Museum of Fine Arts Houston, being dragged into court by the heirs of... Uh, a gentleman who owned one of the paintings that the Houston Museum had. And he sold oh, it, yeah. apparently, to uh, a Nazi uh, art collector who was working for Hitler during the World War II era. And, so the ancestor right. of this era. Right. Okay. So the so. grandsons of this gentleman are now suing the MFA to get the, uh, the painting back. And the MFA says, no, it was sold at a voluntary uh, in a voluntary transaction. And there are lots of interesting pieces to this. Yeah. So what is the basic question? The basic question is how pressed was this person who owned a painting to get money as Nazi Germany was moving in? Right. In and which country? The, the thing is that the gentleman was yeah. in Switzerland. He was not in Germany. Uh-huh. He had okay. the, uh, painting, this painting along with a few others, and he was showing them around, trying to get them sold to raise money. That's agreed upon. And then um, he sold it. He was being able to ship the paintings around to show it to different dealers and stuff. So he obviously had control of his paintings. So it gets get complicated. It gets murky. And everybody's kind of right all over the place. Right. Yeah. So it's a little sticky. We'll see how it goes. Yeah. Farrell, what is your big story of the week? For me, it's it's a story that's been coming along actually for a couple of weeks now. The second booster, the fourth shot was just made available this week to people over 50 here in Houston and everywhere. Also the immunocompromised. You wrote about it in your, your newsletter yesterday, Lisa, how BA2 is expected to become the dominant strain soon, but the number of cases in Houston for the moment re does remain low. And also that experts can't really tell if it's going to be another wave or not. So I read a lot of commentary from local folks as I put stuff together every day. I, I'm sure that you probably do too. And I've noticed this week there just seems to be very little emotional stomach among people at the thought of another wave and everything that comes with that naturally. So it feels like right now we're in some sort of doldrums. And that there's really no way to foresee how COVID-19 is going to play out globally or locally from here. And there wasn't, there hasn't been a big rush of people to go get this latest booster. I mean, when the second, when the first round came out, I know that lots of people I know were, were immediately going, had it up on their Facebook. Hey, I got the booster, on and on. And I haven't seen that kind of reaction to this announcement. Yeah, I'm old enough and I think I'm going to like, mosey over to my local drugstore on my day off. So for me, uh, the news that I've been watching for a while is um, this investigation into whether aides to Lena Hidalgo um, were 
steering a contract um, to a communications person that her team had worked with. And earlier this month, um, three of her aides, Hidalgo's aides, were raided. Um, Texas Rangers came and they seized laptops and phones. And, you know, there's just been this question, what on earth is going on? Um, and there's a really interesting story in Texas Monthly um, that by Mike Snyder, who got somehow, I'm guessing through maybe one of the lawyers representing an aide or Hidalgo, somehow he got his mitts on some of the messages that were seized, the emails, the texts, the WhatsApp notes. And he says that when you look at all those messages, this basically, it's not a smoking gun. It looks like to make the case, the Harris County District Attorney's Office was conflating like two different sets of contracts that might be by the same person who was advising them. Um, the messages also show that there were good reasons maybe that the team didn't want to give that contract to the lowest bidder because they were having trouble with them. So it'll be interesting to see whether this all blows over. It'll be interesting to see whether there is kind of a schism between the Harris County DA, Kim Ogg, who is a Democrat, and Lena Hidalgo, who is a Democrat. But Lena's sort of team Lena has not wanted to raise the budget for the DA's office, and there may be some bad blood. So it's a bit of a soap opera. It's not clear cut again. It's kind of like that MFA story. It's kind of like COVID. We just don't have clarity this yeah, week. That's a good way to characterize this yeah. week. Yeah. So, all right. Uh, most underplayed story, story that deserved more attention. Farrell, what have you got? Well, I love these little stories because I'll never know what to make of them, but it was actually front page news yesterday on the Chronicle that Texas is one of the 10 most stressed out states. Another <laughs> ranking by that company Wallet Hub, uh, which, you know, did a story a couple of weeks ago that Texas was the third most sinful state in the country. And so sin is I, stressful. It, yeah. That's what I was going to say. You know, it's got to be concluded. Stress is a byproduct of being a heathen. But anyway, um, in, in, the overall, in that overall ranking, Texas yeah. was ninth most stressed out state in the country, Louisiana being number one. Texas came in Let's third. Let's talk about sin being stressful. <laughs> yeah. That is true. Uh -huh. uh, Texas came in third in work-related stress, and they computed that by averaging the number of hours worked, the commute time, and the unemployment rate. Texas was also fourth uh, in family related stress, they computed that by factoring divorce rate, childcare costs, and parental leave policies. So they believe that Texas is highly stressed out. All right. So Olivia, what do you think should have gotten more attention this week? Actually, this week, I think uh, we should have been paying attention to some healthcare issues, and we haven't been. And this is completely anecdotal, but the I know five different people who've been trying to get health care for relatively serious issues who have been unable to. And again, mm -hmm. it is a medical town. We've got this big, beautiful, world-class medical center. We've got great hospitals, great doctors all around. And it hasn't been the care that's the issue. It's been getting in to see the doctors. 
And that's been about support staff that is burned out and stressed out and is cut way back. So, uh, for example, I know a musician who has an ear issue and it's been more than six weeks since she hasn't been able to get to see a specialist. And uh, six weeks to get to see a specialist is really rare in Houston, except it's becoming not as rare. I know someone else who's waiting on surgery and was told you need to do this right away. And that was two months ago. And yet they can't get a schedule. Now, ear, nose and throat guys and, you know, OBGYN. So I think that's that's an issue that's affecting a lot of people. Yeah. And that with healthcare being our one of our big industries in Houston, I wonder how that's going to affect it and how it's going to, to go for, play on going forward. Yeah. Hi. I wonder about that. I'm just that. full of good news this morning. I know. <laughs> <laughs> this is the problem. News is often a downer. Okay, so my underhyped story is not, it's kind of hopeful. Um, I'll, I could pitch it negatively, but I'm going to be <laughs> sunny about it because it's about solar. Um, the uh, Rice University Kinder Institute for Urban Stuff um, has a blog post this week talking about how fast like rooftop solar has been growing in the Houston area, but it says that we are only scratching the surface of the potential. And they are citing all kinds of interesting studies. Um, something called the Environment America Center uh, has a new report that says that if all of Texans had solar on all the available rooftops, that those systems could have replaced as much as 60% of the power that we lost during that 2021 weeks-long outage, even though it was cloudy and cold and we were having short days in winter. And they're just asking, why don't more people do this? Um, you know, it's, it's a good deal for financially if you own your own panels um it's it's good for the state it's good in you know emergencies like hurricanes because you're not going to have huge swaths of the city knocked out by a single you know downed trunk line or generating station so i this speaks to me because i got rooftop solar panels last year and you know, I've really been paying attention to this. That's cool. But, you know, I, I haven't gotten solar because I don't know who to trust. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. I can, I, there's a group called Solar United Neighbors. It's a nonprofit that arranges buying co-ops. And I highly recommend it because, A, I use them and I got, you know, what I think is a very good deal. But, B, when I talked to places myself individually, it was like buying a used car. I highly recommend going through one of those co-ops. The city of Houston is coordinating with them and they buy in bulk. So the, the bulk discounts go to the people doing it. So, all right, we need some joy. We need more joy. I've got joy. Olivia, do you have some? Oh, thank God. I've got joy. Okay. I've got joy. Yeah. Uh, I am proudly a gangster gardener. <laughs> In that, what does that mean? I, I just make a dent in the dirt and throw down a seed and wish it luck. 
you know, that's my version of gardening. And it has been so far and for uh -huh. the last few years. I started when COVID came because uh, we were living off of food donations and we weren't getting fresh fruits and vegetables. So I started a garden yeah. then and that worked out really well. Had one last year. This year I actually made the transition from gangster to organized gardener and I've gone down to Home Depot. I have a hundred and something like 150 little seedlings out in my backyard. I haven't done oh. completely like, you know, it, that whole start them inside and harden them off. And you know, no, they're outside. <laughs> they started outside. If they survive, then we'll transplant them. If not, they're okay. Yeah, it ain't going to freeze. Yeah they're, yeah, they're outside. They're okay. I'm just so thrilled yeah. that my little squashes are coming up. I've got cucumbers and uh, I've got kale and cabbage and cauliflower and stuff. And I got to tell you, that stuff does not grow well in a dent. You know, you've got to pay more attention to it than just going around <laughs> and saying, good luck, guys. Uh, so, so I'm growing all sorts of little things. And Asian greens are amazing. They are coming up so well. I'm so happy with them. And I've even got water spinach, which was oh, illegal a few years ago. Yeah. And uh, I don't know if it was illegal because we were just mad at China, which is where those seeds come from. Oh, or wait, wait, it's wait. invasive. Okay. Yeah. And so is this the Kangkong, the one that grows on a vine? Yeah. Yeah, I think they found out that's not invasive because Vietnamese farmers, it turned out, have been growing it here for decades. Right. Right. And so if it were going to escape, it would have. It would have, right. I don't, and I don't think so, it's, it's escaping so yeah. in the oak forest out of my backyard. So it's going to be okay. <laughs> uh, but I've got lots of Asian greens. I've got lots of stuff going on. And um, so far, I'm not in a battle with my squirrels yet. But we're both just kind of sitting. They're sitting on the fence watching me as I do this. <laughs> saying, you know, could you hurry up the kale? We really like that one. So, but. The Houston weather is making me really happy. And and while I'm happy about all this, I will say I'm in a two-income family, and we are still food insecure. Ouch. We are seeing the prices at the grocery stores put some things out of reach. And the truth is that if I don't do this, we might not have some cabbage and kale and that sort of stuff to the degree that we want to. So I'm really happy that it's happening. Yeah. Farrell, what have you got? What's making you Mine's happy? Mine's tied to her a little bit. The weather, of course. Uh -huh. Yeah. Um, as, oh, is it Eric Berger? Is that his name? Yeah. Yeah. Space City. Space City weather, they pointed weather? out yeah. late this week, has been top 10 weather days in Houston for the whole entire year. I noticed in my backyard, the blooms all over my trees are busting out in white. Mm -hmm. And I've needed an allergy pill every morning since last Sunday. So spring has arrived. <laughs> Yeah. And you know it. Yeah. Mine is sort of related to that. Um, I was in Memorial Park this past week uh, for the Bayou City Art Festival and just walking around for the first time since they've started doing that big round of renovations. And it looks great. You know, they've separated a lot of the major paths from the street. You know, there's a lot of great looking plantings and those land bridges are about to open to cars so that the wild half of the park will be connected to the civilized part of it. So it just made me happy to see something getting a lot better. So, all right. Thank you all so much. Thank you. Thank you, Lisa. 
That's it for CityCast Houston today. Our lead producer is Dina Kesba. Farrell Gibbs, who y'all just heard, is our producer, and he also wrote our theme music and is performed by his band, All the Kimonos. You're going to spice that sucker. It'll, it'll rock. All right. Okay. All right.